gentlemen. Um, Daniel, do the line. Pimps in between. Thanks, buddy. Uh, welcome to the latest installment of the Extra Cannon Podcast. As you can clearly hear, I am joined by my fellow American, Daniel Finton, uh, and also by the man who recorded with me last time, uh, Alfie Colshaw. We will get you introduced in a moment, both of you gentlemen, but in the meantime, this is the 27th installment. It is yet again a pleasure to be back uh, talking to you about you know, a Sunderland game that in my estimation, went pretty well. 5-1 never hurts. Hat trick from mercurial man and controversial scorer Eddie Nketiah. And a first goal for Charlie Patino. Uh, felt pretty good. But before we get on to the game, I will start by introducing the host of the Arsenal Cannon Podcast, um, out one of our dear friends on the Extra Cannon Podcast and longtime guests, Daniel Finton. Danny, how's it going, dude? How you doing, Mac? No, just kidding. Do you know how, like, in the Arscast, well, I'm good, man. Uh, you know how, like, in the Arscast, where, like, Andrew introduces them, and they're all, like, humble, and they just say, like, how you doing, Andrew? And then it just, like, goes on with the show. Yeah, exactly. We are, like, the exact opposite of that, you know? We yeah. just kind of, we're like, ooh, attention. All right, everybody else shut up and listen to all of the G- facts. Give me that. Yeah, we, we literally tell <laughs> our life story. Yeah, every <laughs> podcast. <laughs> How, how funny would it be if one time we were just like, I do it, Mac? And then like you, you did the Andrew thing. And yeah, it, 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 I don't know why I was just uh, thinking. I would, I'd love it. Anyway. Never going to happen. We've got. <laughs> yeah. They do that on a, on Arsenal Vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so. Paul goes, woohoo. And then uh, fucking Clive goes, how you doing, Elliot? And Tim goes, yeah, yeah I'm all right. right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it. everyone has their little <laughs> lines. Um. Yeah. You can block me on Twitter at Yankee Journal. <laughs> Dude, Alfie, I have to say, I think you're kind of cheating on the yeah. Arscast. I mean, I've, I'm hearing you mention... Oh, everyone knows my uh, my buy love for those... But I, I don't know. That, I don't you know. know. I, mean. I don't know. My love for both. I listen to both every week uh, and our podcast back. I'm hearing you mention... I get at least three or four or five Arsenal podcasts a week. Yeah. If you, if, if you ever needed proof that Alf loves our club, there you go. Exactly. What a fucking nerd. Um, but and yeah. you, you get the, like, holistic uh, views from, from the Arsecast, then you get the more, like, in-depth tactical stuff on Vision. So it's like a nice exactly. what do you get from, array of, what do you get from of, ours? of content. What do you get from ours? You get a bit of both. Oh, you get um, fun. Although like... I'm normally part of it, so listening back is not as fun as listening to something you haven't True. actually said or heard already i agree but yeah uh, but in a nutshell mac i'm good thank you how are you that i'm i'm <laughs> doing real well I'm, I'm having a good time uh, i've got some family over right now doing some cookie baking mm. and doing you know making some christmas presents because we're one of those families that yeah we buy some but also we definitely like to home make and hand make a fair few oh, that's fucking that's cool. elves um, and shit. <laughs> yeah just mac the elf Woo! Yeah, call me Will Ferrell, baby. Um, <laughs> fire me up. So yeah, I'm I'm doing really well. And speaking of lack of humility and want for attention, <laughs> Alfie Colshaw has also joined us on the podcast. <laughs> I'm gonna enjoy it. Yeah, that yeah, with Daniel. How's it going, Alf? Talk to me, buddy. Come on, we saying lads. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm decent. 
I'm decent. Good. I'm uh, I'm glad. And, you know, let's kick right into it uh, because we will mm-hmm. talk about ourselves for most of this podcast, as we always do. So why set time for it at the beginning? We will not have our normal 15 minutes of waffle because we actually have things to talk about this time, which is, you know, wonderful. Um, and I'll start right off with Alfie again. Give me some general thoughts on that Sunderland game. Obviously, not the stiffest competition we've ever played. Um Although they do do a documentary likely better than we do. Uh, yeah, just mm. talk to me about the game. Talk to me about what you saw, what you enjoyed. <laughs> Go for it. Um, I think it was the perfect League Cup night. I think that's what we're saying. You want goals because, you know, you, you tend to see a lot of goals in the early rounds of the League Cup. I know this is quarterfinal, but given we were playing League One opposition, it was kind of like an early round. Um a lot of rotation, so we got to rest a lot of the key players um, and young players and young players make an impact, and that's sort of what you want. Um, the classic League Cup uh, atmosphere and audience, um, mainly youngsters going for about 10 quid. Fair play to them, getting an opportunity to see the Arsenal. Um, and, you know, the classic League Cup chant, stand up if you ate Tottenham, um, rings around pretty common pretty common on a, on a league cup match day. You don't really hear that uh, from the ultras in the North bank on a weekend, but yeah, so it was, it was a perfect night. Um, good performance, some good individual performances, uh, some more frustrating performances as well for me. Um, I don't think anyone, although there were some good performances, I don't think any of the fringe players made a massive case to be involved, but you know, when they do play well, it's, it's good, obviously. Um, and yeah, semi-final. Hopefully it's cut to two uh, to a single leg, I think. Um, having said that, actually, no, yeah, fuck it. Hopefully it's cut to a single leg because I think if we get someone like Chelsea or Liverpool, we're more likely to be able to, you know, do something in one game than in a double leg where, you know, there's less variance. Yeah, um, I certainly agree. And I think remembering back to that 5-5 Liverpool stunner, where Joe yeah. Willick and Gabriel Martinelli announced themselves to the world. Um, drawing them again could be fun because both of us like to play the kids. But um, speaking yeah. of positives, Daniel, kick us off here, buddy, on some of the better performances that you saw in the night. Who did you enjoy watching? Um, who, who were you kind of excited about and who, who really caught your eye? Um, I think the obvious one is definitely Nuno. Um, I, I, you know, it's, I, I don't we, – we knew we were signing a squad uh, depth kind of player with Nuno Tavares, but I don't think any of us anticipated just how excited or exciting he was going to be. I mean, yeah, just – fun. The, he is so fun to watch, man. He's and fun, but he's also funny. I've seen that tweet. He's quite he's funny. He's a little bit of chaos, isn't I he? do. He is yeah. so fucking chaotic, man. I mean, the way – when that dude, when he falls, does he fall? I mean, I don't remember which match it was in, but there was – one just a couple weeks back, I have no memory, unlike Alfie, who can definitely tell me what game this was. Um, he mm. got tackled and he did like a literal full send front flip onto the <laughs> ground. It's just, yeah, I you know, <laughs> six foot tall, absolutely fucking jack dude just doing a front flip. And it's like, what the hell? You know, but I don't um, even I'll, remember this. I, uh, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll try to find it. It was just crazy. I was like, Oh my God, is he going to get hurt? But no, he's like 
I don't know, made of rubber or something. He's just a, a strange, strange individual. Um, but I yeah. love watching him. So he, he had some, my eye. some jokes moments in this game where he just sort of passed out a play. Yes. Yeah, yeah, where he a... went through on goal and he absolutely skied it. Like he's just funny, <laughs> but he is, he is fun as well. He, he was playing like yeah. attacking midfield for the last 15 minutes. He said, fuck. Yeah, he just, he just decided to play I, as a number I'm, 10. I'm for the like, yeah. yeah. Very fun. <laughs> But no, I def- some of his driving runs, really spectacular. Um, he did just take on the entirety of Sunderland a couple of times. Like, I'm talking the team, the playing staff, and the people of the town. And just generally beat them all. Um, it was pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, and any, anyone else spring to mind? I thought holding was pretty solid as well, actually. I think... Holding um, was fine, yeah. Yeah, I think, you, you know, uh, first of all, the however you say it, the remontada with the hair is absolutely phenomenal as oh, a man come back of the season as a man whose hairline is running towards his butthole like i'm telling you that is an impressive comeback you get me like um uh, and but apart from that too he was just he was actually solid and i think you know ben white isn't or benjamin white isn't the best in the air you know but i think holding mm. was is very good in that regard and, and he was helping uh helping white out a lot so those are those are my two really that were kind of mm. that are kind of like the fringe players yeah that were um playing well but yeah absolutely uh, good good performance overall for sure yeah. agreed any anyone to add alf to that list of impressive people i think on holding um i think we talk about how we've missed tommy asu massively because the step down in quality is quite big um, I think the same is of Gab- can be said of Gabriel. Mm. I think if we lost Gabriel and we had to go to <clears throat> Pablo Marie, we'd be in trouble. I think with holding, yes, if White was to get injured, we'd miss a bit of his ball progression abilities. But I think defensively, like I wouldn't feel like we've had a massive step down from White to holding. I think holding is relatively underrated still as a defender. Um, and I think last season he had a pretty good season. I don't, I, he's obviously a step down from White, but I don't think we'd miss two. I, I think we could get away with it. Other performances, um, I thought Cedric had quite an interesting performance. Um, you know, it it, it was the, the caliber of opposition is obviously a caveat, but I've got some stats here uh, which I collated myself just Impressive. watching it um, because they don't do. I I had him obviously. This is just me with my like noting shit down because I'm a fucking nerd, but. <laughs> I had him with seven short creating actions, which is pretty phenomenal from a right back. Um, he had six, mm. f- uh, f- sorry, five key passes all in the first half an hour. Um, and he probably put up some decent XA numbers with some of those deliveries. Mm. Obviously, he didn't have those stats. But uh, I mean, I think he was also dreadful on the goal. Like, he was absolutely nowhere to be seen. I think defensively, he had, you know, it was Sunderland. So it was dreadful from the goal. Other than that, it was not tested at all. Um, but he had some 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 decent moments going forward in the first half. Um, not that he's he's obviously a massive step down from Tommy Asu, and we saw that against uh, Leeds. Um, and obviously, we have to talk about Enketia, but I'm sure we'll get mm. onto that. Uh, yes, we certainly will. And Pepe, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'd say with Cedric as well, he was an interesting performer because he looked pretty solid. You know, pretty Cedric six out of ten. But mm. his crosses, man. Half of them were like these beautiful whipped balls right across the yeah. face, found a person. The other half of them were freaking moon balls to the other <laughs> sideline that like, bro, he, he missed yeah. the 18 yard. He also like half the time was really yeah. involved. 
He was also really involved in the first half and then like pretty non-existent as an attacking force in the yeah. second half. I don't really, really know really mercurial. why. I think Pepe stepped up in the second half as a creator. Yeah, so... um, Which meant absolutely. he was less needed. And and on that note, I'll, I'll flip it back to Daniel. Talk to me about Nicolas Pepe because that was... I... So, so weird. So Pepe. So Pepe. <laughs> it was. I mean, it was like... I have discovered something have boys revolutionary Um, this i have yeah um (laughs) there is something worse than an ozil stan after all and it is a pepe stan they don't (laughs) think with reason they think erratically similar to the way that pepe plays they just are fucking usually morons and i unfortunately was exposed to some of the Pepe people on Twitter yesterday. I didn't engage with them at all because I didn't want to get, um, sorry if this is mean or a dark joke, but I didn't want to get like brain cancer. Um, so I just Jesus. Re- refused to speak to them. But yeah. Dear God. Dear God. We need to get like sound. Oh, we rock need to get, soundboard? We need Yes, like uh, if anyone's a fan of the H3 podcast out there, they like have really funny sound bites all the time. And we need to find out a way to get down the show. Absolutely. Anyway, though, um, (laughs) his fans are annoying. Sure, Pepe fans, but (laughs) Pepe is arguably even more so, man. I mean, it's just he's such just a moment player like he will, you know, chip in with an assist, a goal. But obviously did both of those. uh, yesterday mm, two assists yeah yeah two assists so there you go um and just makes things happen dirty nutmeg on the one um assist as well but it was just like other than that though he's he could be so fucking frustrating i mean like it's it's very obvious why Saka plays every game because his um sort of all-round presence is just significantly better you know and and i think pepe just kind of showed us why he hasn't really been getting uh, game time. But then on the flip side, I mean, he makes goals happen. So I I think it wouldn't be, you know, stupid for Arteta be, to, to, to play him just a little bit more if we're like chasing a goal or something, because you could say what you want about the guy. I personally find him to be incredibly frustrating. And in my opinion, I think we should sell him if there is a suitor that is interested in him. Obviously we're not going to get anywhere near the figure that we fucking paid for him because we're stupid and paid insanely over the odds. But I don't know. I just think, um, he's just, he's a strange case. Isn't he Mac? He's a strange case. Yeah. Um, bothers me, I think to, to watch him play. And, you know, Daniel, I, I did appreciate your assertion that soccer starts every week because he's the best creator in our team and is our outlet for everything which Pepe proved in this game that he cannot do under any circumstances. Mm. Um, Mm. Alfie mentioned, you know, Cedric's awful positioning on the goal. I have never seen a lazier attempt at a tackle than the one Pepe put in to stop that break. Like, okay, yes, he's Mm. sort of playing as a right midfielder instead of, you know, at the corner flag because Cedric is bombed up and he's trying to do his defensive duties. But it's like he's putting in a tackle to make it look like he's putting in a tackle without actually wanting to win the ball. Facts. He's just kind of like, mm. you know, dangled a foot at it and just said, all right, that's my job done. I'm not even going to track back now. 
Um, yeah, definitely not my favorite thing. And I believe we have just lost. Oh, Alfie's on hold. He's back now. No, um, I'm back. Welcome back, buddy. Yeah. Some guy that yeah. Oh, oh that's saying it. Off. I mean, Sorry. <laughs> listen, Alf's editing, so he can keep it if he wants. But can, um, I, can I chip in with this Pepe discussion too? And you may, just, please uh, do. Just, uh, just an observation. I mean, defensively, yeah, you're right. That was a, that was atrocious because it was like he was just, yeah, kind of. It's kind of like showing up to a shift but not actually doing any work, you know. And um, but, but, but on the attack, that's me on most shifts. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. That's definitely me in all shifts. Um, but <laughs> like, I am basically the Pepe of Bush Gardens. But basically, like, you know, on the attack, it's everything with Pepe too. This is my main issue I have with him. Is so goddamn slow. You know, it's like I, I said this months back. I said it looks like he's running with two freaking yanked hamstrings. You know, like he is just he. He's very quick, obviously, but it's like he doesn't move quick. I don't know how to describe it. And everything he does always takes so long to decide upon. Oh, so it's just, there's a ding, ladies and gentlemen, bingo. Um, <laughs> and I don't know. Yeah, it's just Sokka is like literally the exact opposite of that. He could use both feet. He's quick thinking, ultra creative. And Pepe, yes, he chips in with goals. Yes, he chips in with assists but he doesn't really do much defensively and he takes way too long to do everything that he does offensively. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think the crux of it is normally you'd see a player chip in a goal and two assists and say, oh yeah, they dominated the game. No, not at all. The only thing Pepe dominated was like, I think it's Hume was the left back that they brought in for like their injured striker. Um, Yeah. Like, that's the only person that Pepe dominated today. Genuinely, or mm. yesterday, I should say. Um, Can I chip in with this in this Pepe debate? Yeah, please do. I thought first half, he was largely terrible. Um, I think the only <laughs> thing, thing he was doing well... Yeah, the only thing he was doing well was, uh, like, a few of the nice reverse balls to Cedric. Um where he got Cedric in behind, and then obviously he took the goal quite nicely. Um, but apart from that, I thought, just in the build-ups, as Daniel was saying, so slow to do things, he couldn't beat his man at all. Um, a lot of really sort of lax balls into the box, like attempted crosses. Uh, second off, again, what Daniel said, I think this is what Pepe is supposed to be. He's supposed to be an end product output machine. Uh uh, and like you'll get the best out of him by getting him as close to goal as possible rather than you know on the touchline with like four men in front of him trying to beat him and I think he produced some pretty good moments as as Daniel said um, and I mean the nutmeg for the goal the the putting on the plate I think he did that three times the for the Nketiah goal one for Odegaard and then the Patino one uh, yeah he didn't stake a claim to you know get back into the Premier League side. Um, but also what uh, James said in his video after, it, it's it's not very useful him coming into form because he's going to go off to AFCON in a couple of weeks. So it's like, yeah. Whereas in Ketia, there's probably more of a case that, you know, that's useful for us for him to be getting goals in a few different ways. Yeah, especially given we kind of only have one striker on the books right now. Um, speaking of Inketia, though, 
I feel like there's a lot to comment on with his performance. Um, you know, again, similar to Pepe, kind of had a rubbish first 25 minutes, and then he started scoring and didn't look back. Um, and Alf, I'll yeah. swing it back to you first. Uh, give me some thoughts on Nketiah's performance, just generally. Um, so I was th- I was thinking this, and I actually think there's some parallels to Joe the Joe Willock situation with Eddie, in that I think it's really really obvious what he is. Um, I think he's he's basically a penalty built striker who's got very good movement in around the penalty area, um, and is has got a potentially elite attribute in being able to. F- find himself in goal-scoring positions inside the penalty box, um, which a lot of players can't do. Um, And with that, he will score goals. However, his limitations are so glaring that I just think he's never going to be a top striker for Arsenal, or at least he's nowhere near it at this stage. Um, Just think, in terms of his hold-up play, he just doesn't have the physical presence to pin a defender and hold the ball up nicely and be like a prominent part of the build-up or a, a focal point for a team uh, like we need, as Lacazette is showing, with a player who can do a bit more of that is a lot more beneficial to a team, to, to us at the moment, where we are, than just a penalty box striker. Um, and I think, as I was saying, with the Willock comparison, it was so clear what Willock was. He had a, a potentially elite attribute in breaking into the box and scoring goals. Um, works hard, compress well, but his passing ability as a midfielder was nowhere near the elite level. And I think that will make Nketiah a, a good asset, um, potentially in January, which is why him scoring this hat-trick is good, because it's going to put him more in the short window. Um, if we do decide to sell him in January, if there are suitors, even though they could wait six months and get him for free, if they're desperate for goals right now uh, to keep them in the league or whatever, then you know we may see... Uh, a suitor, but I agree. I think he started poorly, and then obviously he did exactly what Nketiah does, and he he gets these goals from very close range. Uh, the first one's obviously a bit lucky. The second one, I think, is a brilliant take. Uh, even if Daniel didn't rate it on the group chat, uh, it's great movement to the front post, a great finish, and I think the the third one again is very similar to his goal against Wimbledon, a nice flick. So. Yeah, a very Nketiah performance. Uh, he just took the three chances and said sometimes he'll miss one or two and it'll take another one. Um, but this one, he was slightly more clinical with his three finishes. So, yeah, yeah. Six shots is good. But again, we've got to look at the opposition. I, I, I couldn't see him replicating this in a league game where it's harder to get those chances or he doesn't get as many of them. I, I yeah, certainly I agree. Um, yeah, I agree Daniel, I was really just about to ring your name um i assume you have things to add on this and i do have a question to ask you once you're done with your thoughts on eddie's performance so basically all i was going to say with eddie is like and in the chat i said that he's kind of an old-fashioned number nine and when i say that he's obviously not the archetypal six foot six big dumb oaf with a hairy chest that drinks eight pints after the match but like he doesn't really do I feel like he doesn't really do much else besides that just tap the ball into the back of the no he he can press but in terms of in possession no and I just don't think that we are in a we are not frankly I think I think that type of striker nowadays is pretty much dead anyway 
But I think that we are really not in a position to where we can have somebody like that. We need somebody who's going to work and is going to, you know, bring other things to the table apart from just goals. Obviously, I know that could sound strange because as a striker, your job is to score goals. But the game is evolving and you look at Leno, who I'm sure we'll touch on as well. You know, you need players and positions to do a number of things, I guess you could say. And and Ketia, yeah, sure, he can press, absolutely. But apart from that and tapping the ball into the back of the net from six inches out, he doesn't really do much else. And yeah, I think we're not really, I, I think he'll fare well. I, I saw some uh, interesting discussion on Twitter as well. Um, I think he'll fare well and in like a mid-table side. I could definitely see him going to like Brighton, for example, and absolutely 100,000% scoring against us whenever we play against him. But um, yeah, I, I don't I don't really think it's worth losing sleep over uh, the fact that we're going to lose him because I just think he's not really what we need at the moment. We need a more complete uh, player in that position for me. Okay. 100%. I, yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, and to all of you on Twitter who are drooling over... Uh, Dusan Vlavic at Fiorentina. Heed Daniel's words very carefully. We need a striker that can do more than just score, even if they are very good at scoring goals. Um, mm. That's that's my little personal agenda. And the one question I will oh, swing I back on Eddie um, to Daniel, uh, because Alfie's already commented on it in the chat. But did, what, what are your thoughts on Paul Merson's assertion that Inketia should stay at Arsenal for another two to three years to try and kind of hone his craft and, you know, break into the first team. Um, yeah. Obviously, Inketia appears to be uninterested, disinterested, disinterested. And, you know, it's not much of a it's a no brainer that I think most Arsenal fans are OK with him leaving. But is there a case in your mind at all for Inketia to stay? I just don't think I think Arsenal would benefit from keeping him because he's just another uh, another striker on the books. And as we see, he can score goals. He's the one of the players posted a story about it um, that was like he's the uh, the Carabao Cup uh, legend or something. I can't remember who, but um, it was Saka. That was Saka. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, like having Enketia for those type of matches is is great. But we have to, I think, put ourselves in the shoes of the player in this situation, you know? And Ketty is going to benefit yeah. a hell of a lot more playing for a side like a Brighton, you know, or any other mid-table team, whoever it may be. Just playing, Just, I think. That's it, that's it. Let's italicize and bold that word, playing, because he's not going to get game time here. I think it's fairly obvious. He'll get he'll get game time, but he won't get sufficient game sufficient. time at the right level. Like, yeah. he'll be, be playing either Europa League or just Carabao Cup games, which we, we know he's good at playing in that opposition. But look, uh, look, the fact is, like, yeah, the fact is any mid table team he moves to, he will get bare minimum 20 premier league appearances. And that's absolute bare minimum, by the way, at Arsenal, mm. he probably won't even, I mean, sure. He's coming off the bench sometimes. Might get five 10, or six sub appearances. 10 yeah. at the most, you know, like, um, so yeah, he's just, he's got to move on. It's for the best. For him, and I, I think he absolutely can do a job somewhere. It's just not here, you know? And we all know that we're going to sign a striker. I think it's fairly mm. obvious, you know, uh, probably not in January. Um, but in the summer, I think we're probably going to splash 
the cash on a pretty expensive striker. I don't have any sources or anything like that. I've just got that feeling, you know, that we're definitely going to probably go ahead and mm. sign a striker, especially with these links um, saying that Aubameyang may be on the way out. Um, but yeah, for me and Ketia, he's got to go for the well-being of Enketia because I like him. I do. Um, so I want to see him. I want to see him prosper. And I don't I, as great of a player as Merson was a little before our time. Um, I think that most things he says um, <laughs> at the punditry table should really be taken with an ocean's worth of salt because that guy, I think that guy's brain is just sitting in a, a punch bowl of hooch, to be honest. So we have to really be careful because I think he he's just not the, he's not the, the he's not the sharpest bulb in the pack. <laughs> the sharpest <laughs> Because that's how that works. Uh, yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. I certainly agree I with just you. think... Yeah. Alf, go for it. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think how the striker situation evolves in the next 12 months or so, or even less than that, is going to be really interesting because mm. I think it's pretty safe to assume Eddie won't be here at the end of the season or next season. Um, at the very latest, it could even be January, probably not. Uh, I think it's also safe to assume Lacazette won't be here next season, most likely, um, unless there's some dramatic U-turn on that contract decision. I think it's increasingly looking like Aubameyang might not be here. I do think it's going to be very difficult to offload him because of his wages. I think he'll probably end up staying for next season and yeah. um, maybe he'll even be ostracised like Urza was. That would be disastrous. And then we lose him on a free. But, you know, there's a chance he'll go. Uh, in the summer or even January, as the rumors are saying, I, that feels unlikely to me. Um, so we could be Aubameyang and Lacazette-less um, come the summer, which I'm quite looking forward to. Not that I don't think they've both been good players for us, but I think since the moment we signed Aubameyang, there was always a bit of a, an issue with both of them being there. They sort of clogged each other's way and we never found a, a, a very good way to use them both, uh, besides maybe a four or five month period under Emery. And I just think there was a lot of question marks over that recruitment of why would why we would bring in another striker of that ilk um, when there were other areas uh, we needed to improve and we sort of became a top-heavy side. And I think having a fresh start without both of them will be very good and it will contribute to this new feeling of the project evolving. Um, and then obviously we've got Balogun who will probably go on loan this summer, but uh, sorry, in January, and you assume he'll come back uh, in the summer and feature next season. So it's going to be very interesting how we approach this striker role and what we do and who's the second choice, third choice, you know. Um, I'm looking forward to it, but yeah, I think it's a bit of a mess, that position at the moment mm. with sort of two very senior players and two younger players who aren't quite good enough at this moment to be our number one striker or like our, our number nine. So, yeah. I absolutely agree. Um, I think for the sake of time, we can probably table the Leno discussion. Um, to sum it up yeah. in a sentence, he's a very good shot stopper but isn't good as much else and doesn't inspire as much confidence as Ramsdale. His communication is yeah. worse and he probably could have done better on the goal that went in. Um, there yeah. was a lot of assertions that Ramsdale would have done better. Yeah. Just... You know, he's been injured, yes, but he is also out of the team for very good reason and will probably leave this summer. Great. That's Brent Leno. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah thanks. Yeah. Um, on to, I think, our more 
serious discussion and it will be a quick one, but in terms of a lot of the, you know, global situation uh, with with COVID and the like, uh, the Premier League has determined that despite outbreaks at, I think, 17 out of 20 clubs and, you know, a, a rising concerns both from players and management and statements from both players and management that football is growing increasingly dangerous for the players due to the virus that uh, the Premier League will continue. And frankly, yeah. I just wanted your thoughts on that. You know, is this the type of thing where you might have gone the other way? Of course, it is, you know, Boxing Day, biggest day of the year, crazy fixture list. It's the December period. We all know how wonderful this time of year is for a Premier League fan. But at the same time, this virus is yet again wreaking havoc with a new variant. Just give me some thoughts, boys, and I'll start with I'll start with Daniel because I started with Alfie for the last bit. Um, talk to me about mm. that decision. What do you think? It doesn't surprise me, um, as we've been seeing, like with all of these, you know, massive corporations and football, whether it be FIFA, UEFA, or the FA. Money is the priority, and it, frankly, at this time of the year, they make too much money to not let the show go on. So it was never going to be curbed. Absolutely never. Um, I, I don't entirely know the, um, the, like the laws and stuff over there with like the premier league and everything. And I, but I'm sure there's, there's no way that they can absolutely enforce this on the players, which I think is very problematic. Um, I think that Sorry if I'm sounding overly like opinionated and I don't like to get too super political on the show or anything, but I just think if you at this point as a player or as a supporter that's visiting the stadium, if you are not vaccinated, I don't know what the hell your end game actually is. Um, I don't mm. I don't really understand. So Alfie, you, you and I, I know Mac, you lived there for a while for the previous semester. Alfie, are you you're allowed to go into the stadium if you're not vaccinated, correct? Uh so at the moment you have to show either a negative lateral flow test or double vaccination pass. Okay, so and you, you can but Regardless, you but can, you can fake a, a lateral flow test, and like they easily. give a shit. Not that I've done that, but I mean, you can do that. Like they give a shit. Do you think the security guard? That's also, making... lateral flows are notoriously not particularly reliable. So, so. <laughs> I just think get your. Sorry, I don't mean to get on a soapbox or anything, but don't be stupid. Get your vaccine, um, because at the end of the day, sure you could go in there with a negative COVID test. But the guy standing next to you, shout out my mom. My mom has COVID right now and she's vaccinated. You know, unvaccinated people mm. can have it. I think it was just recently, granted, Jaka didn't have his vaccine, got COVID, was taken out. It's like, I know you could still get it with the vaccine, but it's like, what are you people? Probably it's, still doesn't have it. It's, are you trying to sabotage the, the game or something, man? We know how difficult yeah. it is to go months without football. Why do you feel as though that your body is this temple that doesn't deserve or th that doesn't have to get the vaccine you don't care enough about the well-being of i just it just frustrates me and apologies if i'm going on any sort of rant or anything like that and if you disagree i think oh, i agree you know i'm sorry but i i i, I live in florida so obviously i'm used to anti-vaxxers you know 
we're talking about Pepe, uh, Pepe, Pepe uh, stands giving me brain cancer. Oh my gosh! So do the anti-vaxxers, man. I just I don't really understand it. But um, yeah. yeah, for me, Mac. At short, well, long, yeah. long, long, long story short, um, I think the show should be allowed to go on. But the fact is, it's not because people are too stupid to get their vaccines. So yeah, I just want to disagree with the, the very first thing you said about and i think normally this is a pretty uh fair accusation to throw at football associations in general i don't mm-hmm. think for me this isn't about the money because i think they're going to get the money regardless um because uh the the fixtures will go ahead regardless if they go ahead now mm-hmm. in this period or at a later date they will go ahead so i don't think that's a factor i think it's more about the pressure of congested schedules later, which is why they're trying to fit as many games in now so they don't have to, you know, have the, the stress of all these added fixtures and where will they fit them in later. Um, I completely agree, though, with all the vaccination things. And I also think, like, if, like, the squads that are fully vaccinated in the Premier League, as far as I've, I'm aware from what I've heard, are Wolves and Man City. They're the only squads and that I is might be absolutely wrong. Maybe fucking Leeds, that is fucking ridiculous i mean i'm sorry come on really there's two out of yeah, 20 well, i've heard it's wolves leads and i th- i think yeah i think it's wolves leads and city who are the only entirely vaccinated squads that could be wrong um and they're the three teams that have continued to continue playing obviously leads had their injury problems had nothing to do with covid and i just think in a way uh, make the teams play that have got fewer vaccinations, uh, unless they're like absolutely depleted and can't put out 11. Like Chelsea, who had to play the other day, uh, even though they still had like 200 millions worth of <laughs> talent or something yeah. available to them. You know, if if you're vaccinated, I tweeted this, I think, if you're, vac- if you're, not, fully vac- if you're not a fully vaccinated squad, then sort of your own fault. Yeah. Um, and you should have foreseen this and you should have enforced vaccinations or I know the clubs can't exactly enforce it on players. It's their personal choice, but you know, that's the, the price you pay, unfortunately. Um, and yeah. And I also think I understand that the fixture list has to go on because of congestion, basically. Yeah. Um, I will say, I think just from my two cents, I'll make two points. One you know, it's more and more, it's becoming common. Alf, you're talking about a lateral flow test or double vaccination. Um, and it's becoming increasingly common that a negative COVID test and vaccination is required for things, especially over here in the States. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah. what I will say mm-hmm. is if we do get to a point where vaccination is, or, you know, where the outbreak is bad enough that it be has to become a mandate. I think that personally, I think it should exist for fans and players, but you know, I think the easiest way to get every premier league squad vaccinated and get the game to continue would theoretically be to say, you know, we are not going to allow you on the field unless you are double vaccinated. Everyone would have it within the week. That's all I'm saying. Like, um, and I do, I, I yeah, do, I do understand. Yeah. yeah, I was about to say, go for it. And also, just to, have, have you seen? Sorry to interject. Have you seen like the vaccinations yeah, for have. various leagues around Europe? 
I think it's it was like seventy percent in the Premier League, and then all the others yeah. were like ninety plus. And games aren't being games cancelled. Games aren't being cancelled. COVID's uh, not an issue. And it's because their leagues mandated it. The German Yeah. So the weird. German League why. and the Italian League both mandated <laughs> yeah. vaccination in order to play this year. Um and look at that. They've mm. had, you know, not a COVID outbreak. Um what I will also say is that just in terms of like the mandates, I understand the physical and athletic restrictions that come with getting vaccinated. Um, I understand that people can experience COVID-like symptoms, have fevers, um, you know, shortness of breath, lowered oxygen capacity. I am not a high performance athlete, especially not to that level, but I do understand the annoyance. I'm currently struggling with some really nasty side effects from the COVID booster that I got yesterday. But, you know, at the same time, it's, it is a balancing act between, like a week at most of discomfort and potential not being able to play a football game or what happens if you get COVID and then long COVID and you're not able to play at the same level ever again. Um, it's just, yeah, there, there's a Kevin lot of, there's a lot of that. foresight that I think is being missed. And the last thing I will say on this topic before we pivot to our boxing day fixture is um, it's a statement from Jurgen Klopp I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't have the direct quote up. But I think, you know, he said in an interview, don't believe the bullshit. Don't believe the hysteria. Don't believe the people lying to you. Get vaccinated because it will keep you and your family safer. That's it. Like, simply put, yeah, that that I think he, he has yeah. said it better than I ever could. And um, I don't think that vaccination is a political discussion at all, frankly. Um, I, I agree. I, yeah. I don't understand well, I mean, how it's become political, political here, but just generally – it's not a political discussion for me. It's a discussion of health, safety, and well-being. And if you would like to disagree, I actually, you know, I'm not going to outright be mad at you. I want you to talk to me. Come chat to me on Twitter. Or gen- I, I want to have this conversation because I'm intrigued. But just generally, um, get vaccinated, people. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your people, especially over the holidays. Um, yeah. That's, that, that's all I got. Daniel, oh, just it. one more thing on this note. Uh, just, just don't don't take it from us. Don't take it from Jurgen Klopp. There are very qualified doctors out there. Not to um, mention your governments that are telling right. you to do this. I I mean, what like what what is to? I mean, look, the fact is, if you want to be cynical about it, the fact is this: they don't make money from you if you're dead. Okay. So they want you to get vaccinated so you could stay alive so they could continue exploiting you. Okay? I, I will also say there we here at the um, Arsenal Cannon Podcast, Extra Cannon Podcast, we love you, Arsenal Productions. would also like you to stay alive, all of you beautiful listeners. So, uh, yeah, this message goes out to you as well. Agreed. Exactly. Money. We need um, your money too. If you die, how am I going to pay my <laughs> rent? True enough. Exactly. Um, well... <laughs> Thank you for indulging me in that serious topic, boys. Uh, let's go on to something hopefully a bit more fun. December 26th, Boxing Day, Norwich away. Um, talk to me about this fixture. It was, I will indulge on my own tangent, my first ever game at the Emirates. Um, the reason Daniel calls me the celebrity, that was our home game against Norwich. We won it one nothing. It was our first win and first goal of the season. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, experience of a lifetime for me. And I think we could potentially have just as much success 
going the other way uh, out to Kara Road. Um, I talked with Alfie super briefly about this mm. on the last Extra Cannon podcast. So, Daniel, start me off. Talk to me about this fixture. I mean, just I just pulled up the table real quick just to take a look at it. And my God, I get – I just – we're going to lose a Norwich because of what I'm about to say. Um, I These yo-yo clubs just piss me off, man. Because, like, I like to see – I love when, for example, a side like Brentford gets promoted. And obviously I hate the fact that they beat us this season, rightfully so, by the way. But I love, like, it being a diverse league. And I love new teams coming up, new guys you haven't seen – it's like Norwich every season, up, down, up, down, up, yeah, and Norwich, it's just so Fulham, irritating. West Brom. Ugh, I just can't stand any of those teams because it's like, I mean, at the same time, though, I like them because they're guaranteed six points basically every season, you know? The, um, the problem they have is that, like, they're too good for the championship, but then they're just yes. too shit. For, and, like, they don't have the financial resources, really, particularly in Norwich's case. I think they're... They're sort of uh, slightly uh, overperforming and pushing above their weight to get into the Premier League um, financially, and then obviously when they get here, like they're they're not able to overperform. Nope. Yeah. Still, is too big a step, and then they just get obliterated. Yeah, they spend like a championship yeah. amount of money to get out of the championship, and then spend a championship amount yeah. of money to stay in the Premier League. Yeah, and it doesn't work. It's true. The only team that breaks that cycle That's is Fulham, point. but they just invest really poorly. <laughs> That's their issue. Yeah. Do you remember the one summer they spent $140 well, and, and, million and then got relegated by a significant amount? Yeah, that oh, was yeah. beautiful. And, you know, the, uh, Norwich, the, who did they bring in? It was like, and by the way, Josh this Sargent. is a, a ginger ginger American king, bro. My brother. Um, Josh Sargent, he's so bad. Just, yes. yeah, D- and Daniel, he's just not good. We've had good, this talk. Both of us know? don't like Josh Sargent. I hate seeing him play, bro. Dude, all right. L- ladies, ladies and gentlemen, pimps in between. If Daniel, the king of gingers, is saying that a fellow ginger king is not good, he is really not good, okay? Um, But yeah, this guy is terrible. And so are Norwich. So we should be beating them, and we should be beating them by a margin much wider than we did last time in my opinion. Healthily. We have to win this game. Absolutely. It would be embarrassing if we didn't. They have 10 points this season for crying out loud. That is pathetic. Um. Yeah, I certainly agree. Alf, give me some brief thoughts on Norwich because there's not much to say, really. It should be a good game, uh, but talk to me. Mm. They've improved slightly defensively under Dean Smith. Low bar. Um, obviously, we should still still beat them. They were terrible under Daniel Farker. Um, and yeah, I think he's made them slightly more conservative. I think they they tried to be a bit too expansive under Daniel Farker. Um, tried to play more possession football. I think Dean Smith's made them a little bit more rigid. They're still not exactly, you know, a defensive wall, uh, a brilliant low block. They're nothing like that. But yeah, as Daniel said, I mean, it should be a walk in the park. Obviously, anything can happen. A game of football variance happens in a low scoring game. Um, You know, they could flukily get something, but, you know, we should be continuing our run and putting them putting them to the sword and, you know, coming away with three points. And I actually think it's, uh, a lot of people say, oh, we should go un- uh, unchanged again um, and understand that. But I think with the games coming up, the fact that we play Wolves less than 48 hours after, 
uh, and then Man City on New Year's Day. I think this may be a game to rest a few more players and maybe make a few changes. I'm thinking maybe someone like Tommy Asu could could drop out. Um, even maybe Lacazette rest him for Wolves because um, I don't think Aubameyang is going to be back. But yeah. Yeah, um, I certainly agree. I think, you know, as much as I do love an unchanged lineup as well, um, Smith Rowe is back and fit and healthy and was taken off against Sunderland um, to give him a little bit of rest, I think, before this game. So there is a chance we could see Lacazette rested. Maybe see Martinelli start up top with Smith Rowe on the left. Who knows? Yeah. Um, there are options. Yeah. I think this is the game to try Absolutely. that. There are options. Yeah. If we want to rest Tierney again, Tavares could be a shout. Um, I yeah. think this might be a perfect game for Callum Chambers to play it right back just to get him on some. Well, he'll have COVID play. still. Oh, does he have COVID? Probably, yeah, oh, I didn't know he had COVID. Uh, ah, give me Cedric. Damn it. I hate that I just said that. Um, <laughs> uh, Maitland Niles, oh, his illness yeah. is real. If, if he's, you know, suffering with yeah. not as healthy by Boxing Day, which is actually a little bit away. Um, yeah, just generally, I think it should be a good match. It should be a win. With the former in right now, it should definitely be a win. And I think with that, I'm happy to to move on to a spotlight. Uh, if you boys are are chill with that, yeah, yeah, bro, amazing. Do either of you have something, or I yeah, do? Do I just have to invent something off the dome? All right, Alf, start us off then. Show me a spotlight. Uh, I'm gonna spotlight what Daniel probably well might well be spotlighting. He's Finton's frolic for today, um, God, which he's bastard. He's decided, yeah, he's decided to uh, well under my command actually as the boss man. He's no. decided to whip up quickly <laughs> uh, in Mac's absence. Unfortunately, Mac, uh, as as you probably tell uh, in a minute, you it's your dad's wedding tomorrow, so obviously you are unable you're unable to pr- produce a, a piece. So we're trying to get to yeah, two hundred fifty articles for the year. Um, and we're on, I think we're on two, four, three. So we've got seven left to do this year. So thankfully Daniel is swooping in and yeah, go and check out whatever the Finton Frolic is on, which I know it's on. Yes, you do. True you enough. Uh, Daniel, having your spotlight stolen must have sucked. Do you, <laughs> do you yes. have anything else to promote my, my man? Uh, yeah, I'll promote, um, I'm just looking around my house to see if I could see anything to promote. <laughs> um, oh, I know. These uh, these Reese's peanut butter cup clusters. Uh, they've got little bits of uh, little bits of like peanut, and I think it's like pretzel on them or something too. Let's. Oh, I'll read it. Creamy oh peanut God. butter, caramel, peanuts, and pecans. That is. Uh, wrapped in milk chocolate. I don't say pecans. I'm not that Southern, ladies and gentlemen. I say pecans. I'm classic. Um, but yeah, I, I can't say pecans because I just think of a, a can filled with pea, you know, so it doesn't make me in the mood for said pecan. But when for I say... Nut. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what I yeah. say. I think I say pecan. I don't, whoa, pecan. Maybe not. Like I don't pe- know. I don't know what I say for that. You're like... like it's like you're like a spy, bro, looking over a fence. You're peeking. Pecan. <laughs> I don't pecan. fucking know. Move uh, on. I bet you. I bet you don't say pecan. I bet you don't. No. We better um, have a brand deal with it, wherever this shit is. Otherwise, it's just pointless. Yeah. So it's just. 
just the Reese's clusters. Um, they're very good. I got them on sale and yeah. Yeah. We delicious. are not, spon- they have the not giant- sponsored us by the way. He just yeah, really no, no, absolutely loves them. I just, Oh, I would die for them. <laughs> yeah. No, I just couldn't. I just got my spotlight taken from under me. So I had to sink or swim Yeah, to improvise. And we, we swim pimps. We swim anyway. That's it. Damn straight. <laughs> good stuff. Um, yeah. I kind of wanted you two to go first because I did not have a spotlight to shine, but I've come up with something entirely random. Um, and, and it's a shout out to the the entity that is the Yo-Yo Club manager. Um, <laughs> da- Daniel Farka is, is the most classic example, but he, you know, got Norwich into the Premier League because they're better than everyone else in the championship, proceeded to try to play expensive football. It didn't work. They got relegated. And you know what he did to get them back into the Premier League? The same thing. When he tried to get to the Premier League, he tried to do the same thing, and it didn't work again. Yeah. It's he just, didn't have Buendia anymore. I, so. Well, that's true. And, you know, a team without Emi Buendia is is a less good team. Uh, to one of my men are many clever maxims, <laughs> that one. But um, just, just generally, I think I... I enjoy a yo-yo club more than the average Premier League fan, not because it's six free points, but just because it's always, you know, it's nice to see like kind of a perennial team coming from the championship simply because oftentimes they will bring like fun talent to poach or a fun new manager. Um, Brighton were a yo-yo club for a little bit and then came up and Christian Potter took over and he was great. But they they never came up and um, got relegated, so I don't think they were. They haven't been relegated. Yeah, that's since true. They, they were just up. they were just down at the bottom. Yeah, for a yeah. While. yeah. I but remember yeah. it was because that season it was like Brighton and Huddersfield that came up the same season, right? right? Yeah, I was excited right. then, when they came up because I was like, oh, both stayed up too. I think Huddersfield I, were up for a season. I can't yeah, believe Huddersfield stayed up. That's crazy. Freaking yeah. terriers. I mean, the teams that went it, down it, that yeah. season like, were utterly dreadful. I think it was Stoke, Swansea, were, and West yeah. Brom. Yes, but wasn't fifty percent of why Huddersfield stayed up was literally just Aaron Moy. Yeah, basically, so, Australian I mean, they were terrible. Yeah. yeah, the Australian Voldemort. But yeah, um, <laughs> shout out to the championship. They have actually provided us with some really fun teams <laughs> recently. Um, Leeds finally made it, of course. When Wolves came in, they made that statement, and now Brentford are looking like an yep. actual competitive outfit. Um, so yeah, the championship is more than it seems, and I guess that's my spotlight. I would like to spotlight another thing, but it's not a sure thing yet. So hopefully, next time you hear me on this podcast, I will have something super exciting in the works for we love you arsenal productions the boys know what this is but i can't mention it now and i think that's all we have for today unless either of you have anything else to chip in before we depart i don't know that's that that's it bro that's it good show is that alf (laughs) great show all right yeah yeah perfect uh well thank you so much for listening please like share review Send it to people. Show it to your grandma. Um, and yeah, have a happy holidays. We're nearing Christmas time or Hanukkah for those who celebrate or regardless of what you are celebrating. Just be happy. Be merry. Be grateful for a rest. Much love. Yeah. I, I did recently realize that we are rated five stars on Spotify. Uh, I don't know who's rating oh, us. But yeah. Hell yeah. Come on. Well, keep putting those ratings down because that will actually make maybe put us to a place where we can start earning money on this thing. Exactly. So. So yeah, if yeah. you're on Spotify, please you click the little great. star button and give us a five-star rating if you enjoyed.
Yes. Um, but yeah, anyway, cheers for listening and we'll catch you all next time. Bye. Bye.